Hello there. Good evening. I hope you're wearing something comfortable. My name's Ian Loring, and welcome to episode 197 of Dude and a Monkey. As always, I am joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. And as annually, I am also joined by... Uh, Bradley Porter. There, there we go. Sounding like he's never spoken on Skype before. There's a tentativeness to you on Skype, which I, I always find entertaining, Brad. I'm very wary of it. <laughs> what, you don't trust it? No. Okay, Not particularly. Brilliant. Okay, fuck it out. Um, it's because uh, I'm talking to more than one person. I'm, I'm, it's, a weird, uh, it's a weird thing. What do you think of 3D printing? I don't trust it. Never, never <laughs> used it. I don't also. I don't really see the point. I had a guy who I used to work with. Um, he, he said he didn't trust the internet and whatnot. And then, like one morning, I just came in. I was like, "You're right, Dave. Uh, how was your evening?" He was like, "Oh, the internet came round last night." It was like, <laughs> "What?" And he what? went. He got the internet installed. <laughs> but the, the, yeah, the way he phrased it, that man. Anyway. Um, so, on this week's show, we are going to be, uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a show of contrasts, really. We're going to be, uh, the main review is going to be John Wick Chapter 2, but we, I, I think probably the primary focus of the show is going to be award season. Yeah, we've, we've got Brad, our, um, our award season correspondent, um, on, uh, on this week, um, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking through... Um, you know, I suppose how the season's gone generally, really, with with uh, the Oscars uh, kind of climaxing the whole thing next week. Um, so, hell of, I mean, of a climax. Yeah, a hell of a climax. Um, so we'll we'll get into it in just a sec, but um, I don't think I've got anything else to particularly mention. Mark, have I? Uh, Joe Callahan uh, is uh, doing the remake of The Raid, uh, the US remake of The Raid with Frank Grillo, uh, which is, is very interesting. Yeah, I I will watch that with my eyes. I'm I'm very I'm very intrigued. I mean, Grillo's been attached for ages though, hasn't he? So I kind of wonder how that went down. Whether he actually approached Carnahan with it or what. I mean, what do you think, Brad? Uh, I'd rather see Joe Carnahan do this than Bad Boys Three, so I guess it's a win. But... Is Bad Boys Three not happening anymore? It's been well, no, delayed. as far as I'm aware, it is, but I don't think it ever will. It just feels like one of those ones that just never will happen. Like apparently, the original we... idea of doing a Ghostbusters Three with the original cast. Yeah, apparently, what happened with the Bad Boys Three is it's all signed on to do it, but then it was supposed to start shooting last year, late on last year, but instead of shooting uh, shooting Bad Boys 3, instead they used the time to get Carnahan to write the Uncharted movie. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Which I seems a little don't... bit like they're just looking for other stuff for him to do because they can't quite get Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in a room together. Well, this is the thing. Like I sit there and think, Will Smith, I would love to be a fly on the wall when he reads scripts because he's choosing the most weird projects and yeah. you know, just awful ones as well. I quite mm-hmm. like focus. But I just I think the problem is Martin Lawrence. I mean, when was the last time anyone saw Martin Lawrence? Exactly, yeah. It's not like it's not like anyone's, you know, clamoring for Martin Lawrence to come back on the screen or anything. It, it I mean just, it's always weird and it's always weird enough when Chris Tucker pops up in a film. Yeah. Yeah, but Martin Lawrence would be profoundly weird uh, to, to pop up. But it just seems I don't know. like Bad Boys I just feel 3 like he's is got fat. 
Yeah, it probably has. A bad boy story just seems like something that that nobody actually wants that much, but people will go and see if it happens. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't see the point. Yeah, no. I mean, so long ago was Bad Boys Two, though. It, yeah, I mean, fourteen years ago. Jesus. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I didn't like the, re- the first remake that much, but obviously, there's no point getting into it now. I love the second one. I'm fine with them remaking it. It's a simple enough concept. It's not exactly sacrilege, but I don't know what they think they're going to add to it. My guess is they'll add guns to it, which mm. defeats the point. Because Frank Grillo, let's face it, isn't exactly you know, a great martial artist. I mean, sure, he's fine. But you're not going to improve on the action, so I don't no, really know what they it. think they're going to add to it. My imagine, my my feeling is it'll probably add they'll probably add half an hour to it and add a bit more melodrama. Well, what Carhan said is that it's not it's not necessarily a a remake as such as it's more exactly. they're so taking the why, ideas. Why call it the raid? Just do a whole original film with a similar concept. It's not like the raid was incredibly exactly original. And yeah, I mean that, that, that's it. I think that the, the issue I think that the, they'd strike up there is uh, people would just say, "Oh, this is just a raid ripoff." Whereas if you actually are calling it the raid, it being mildly different to the raid, well, instead of people calling it just a raid ripoff, they'll start to say things like, "Oh, it's great they've taken a slightly different angle," and so uh, those things that would usually be the criticisms might end up becoming sort of like the the praises for it. Incidentally, Martin Lawrence's last film was 2011, and it was Big Mama like father like son yeah the thing is I just I'd, I'd rather see a film that rips off the raid than a film that just cashes in on a title of the raid yeah that's it the, it's, silly it's the sad nature of the, the business a little bit now isn't it unfortunately is that they're going to oh, be yeah. That they, 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 they look at that and go well already there you know we'll, we'll, we'll probably just off it being the raid um, what is it will get us a lot of hits online which oh. will build its profile which will mean more people will get to know about it which hopefully they will look at it and go look oh, at yeah. this don't make it fucking budget. I mean let's face it original films don't make money yeah, just don't make money and look at I mean okay there are, like Cure for Wellness has come out and made what three million this weekend yeah and then I looked at all the trailers before John Wick today. I like the fact that obviously John Wick is an original franchise, but now it's just a franchise. But the trailers in front of it were for Logan, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Ghost in the Shell, Kong Skull Island, and something else that was a franchise. And with the exception, or, or you know, not a completely original. And I mean, when Ghost of the Shell is the most original of those things. Well, weirdly enough, the, the, there was a trailer for Cure for Wellness uh, on before the screen of John Wick that I saw, and you could a- audibly hear a few people going, uh, to, to that, and it was a bit like... That's people don't want to be thing. challenged by original original things, and that's why I yeah. think of all those films, that's why I think of all those films, Ghost in the Shell is going to make the least money, mm. at least mm. in America. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that, that people one don't know what, don't know what it is, it's not a known... It's not a known quantity. Yeah, it you know. looks weird. You know, and that's that's <laughs> yeah. like it, just generically weird. And that's it's not like it's, I mean, I'd like off. to say that Lucy, that Scarlett Hans is one of those people that can pull audiences into weird. But even Lucy had a hook mm. that was mm. easily sold. This isn't really a hook. I don't. I'm not even sure whether she was a robot or a person that became a robot or what. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's fair. Detroit. I don't know. It's just, but the the marketing material for that is striking, though. And I mean, it does. I don't know. It it, it does. Yeah, but so is a cure for wellness. I was gonna say exactly that, but then I saw that. Yeah, there was a trailer for cure for wellness before John Wick, and it was like, 
Yeah, exactly the same. I got to say that film looks fucking gorgeous. I'm I'm quite looking forward to checking that out next week. But um, yeah. Uh, but, oh, I will okay. say I saw John Wick with my parents, and you know my dad didn't care for Kong Skull Island. He's like, I don't need to see another monster movie. My mum is like, obviously pumped. They're both pumped for Logan because you know they like violent things. But I mean, Ghost in the Shell was the one they liked the look of the most. Mm. But then again, my parents are not like most people in their 60s and 70s. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, like, you're, yeah. You're, you're, I mean, they yeah, were more excited about seeing John Wick Chapter 2 than I was. <laughs> good girl. And, I, and then, but I don't know. There was something else today that made me think. It was, uh, was it, oh, yeah. It's just hard to sell things. It's hard to sell franchise films when people don't strictly understand them. The amount of confusion there was about Rogue One with most people. My parents, I think I saw them five times. It was set before A New Hope, and they still didn't really understand what they were watching. I think Wonder Woman's going to come into a similar problem where people are like, but we saw her in Batman versus Superman. Why is she in World War One? It's not like Captain America where the storyline was set up in World War Two. She's a mystical thing on an island. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, but then again, I think that DC are about to have another hard reboot anyway. Mm-hmm. It's getting ever closer, isn't it, to them going, do you know what, fuck it? It didn't work. Well, we're starting again. My theory, my theory, hear me, hear me out very quickly. I know I'm going off on a tangent, but my theory is Ben Affleck doesn't... Everyone knows Ben Affleck doesn't want to do it. That's become quite public. Uh, mm. My theory is he's probably in there sabotaging meeting with the directors himself as a producer because he doesn't really want the film to go ahead because he doesn't want to do it. He's contracted to do a certain amount of more films, you know, he's probably, you know, whatever. They don't have anything in active development, or active production, sorry. You know, you see their schedule, it's ambitious. That means they have to have films shooting all the time, but nothing's shooting. Nothing's even close to shooting. Mm. The Flash got postponed nine months, and they still don't have a director. Justice League 2 won't go until Justice League 1 is out. Aquaman is the next to go, but I'm pretty certain they've been casting that film for three years and location scouting. And my theory is if they continue with anything, I mean, str- I, I know, again, I know quite a few people working on these films, so I know a bit more, but yeah, they're struggling to, to find a Flash film that is different to the TV show. And my feeling is that what they'll probably do as a hard reboot with Aquaman because everything I'm hearing from people who worked on Justice League is that Jason Momoa is just phenomenal Yeah, and they'll take a lower rung character like Aquaman, have a guy like James Wan pull it off, I'd imagine, and almost use that for like a soft reboot mm. and start, and then you know, you'll probably get and then they'll probably, if I was them I would also be pushing Black Adam through to have the rock headline in one of their films and then so, get, slowly getting, bring back your Batmans and your Supermans in a few get, years. Get, getting away from Batman and Superman, just letting them kind of fade out a bit, and then yeah. And Wonder Woman, I'm imagining, because I just think Gal Gado. I mean, this is going to sound horribly racist, but I don't know why they. You know, Wonder Woman's a hard sell. She's a strange character. You need a name, and you also need someone who can speak better English. That's it. The thing is with Gail Gadot, is what you've said there about Jason Moe is really interesting, is he's a charisma machine in terms of the fact that you stick him on the um, on the couch on Graham Norton, and he's going to be great TV, and he's going to be great for generating that buzz with it. Gail Gadot, you stick her on a red carpet, she's stunning. You stick her on a sofa a talk to somebody, and it... It, it, it comes across as a little bit she's she's because English isn't her first language and it's she has a bit of a broken speaking tone it doesn't quite carry that charisma over yeah I mean I, I, I sit there and think Aquaman could be DC's Iron Man or Fox's Deadpool yeah you know like a, a slightly lesser known character that they just nail 
and yeah, feels distinct and different enough. There's no way that Aquaman's going to feel like any of the other films. Wonder Woman's already fighting a battle of being like DC's Captain America. Absolutely, yeah. I, it, it, like you say, it could be the one where they go, do you know what? Rather than trying to milk everything we can out of our big hitters, why not go for something yeah, my, different? My feeling is Justice League comes out, everyone's like, Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa are the best things in this. They get Aquaman put through then put the flash back into development, put all the other characters aside. Justice League 2 doesn't happen. And then eventually they start rebuilding the bigger characters. Mm-hmm. And Black Adam, obviously, Shazam. Yeah. I mean, when you've got the rock attached to one of your... November. No, it is November, November, is it? Okay. Yeah. Oh, and when you put... Is... You know, there's, there's a thing, they've put three trailers out for Wonder Woman already, and, you know, you still have people... Even though it looks great, the people that don't really understand what it is are greeting it with a legitimate shrug. And even for me, who thinks it looks great, I'm still tempered by the fact the Suicide Squad looked great before it came out. Mm. Yeah, well, there is that, yeah. I don't mind so, Suicide anyway, Squad, but hey. Off, off, ta- off tangent, but you know. <laughs> no, we're but all speaking about of, tangents, before, you get to John Wick 2, before you get into John Wick 2, uh, bigger news, I guess, than the thing you said that I've already forgotten what started this conversation off in the first so place. What was the... Sure can have read. Sorry? That's right. Of the red, yeah. Uh, yeah, is Mel Gibson maybe doing what being offered Suicide Squad too? Oh fuck yeah, no good. Which call. is which is incredibly interesting. Yeah, um, it, I mean it's a it's a if you take away his his personal issues, we say we'll say he's the perfect director. He's the perfect director. He's the perfect out of left field director that makes so much sense for doing that movie. And also helps with a soft reboot because Mel Gibson doing Suicide Squad will not be he'll probably almost only keep the cast that he likes jettison the rest bring a new member and soft reboot it himself yeah you know and that's why I kind of think I hope it happens I mean I think as, as every every article out there said his films traffic in themes of redemption and violence yeah. and he's perfect he, for that he could deal he, with the he, egos he, Warner he, Brothers he, won't he fuck could with be he could, that's it. He could, could be the hand grenade that they need. There's just this, this this little fucking box of madness to just open up and go. You know what? Fuck it. We've tried everything else and nothing's worked. So here's here's this. Just the fact that he's not and he's openly doesn't give a fuck about comic book films as well. Like so straight up doesn't care about them, and and yet he's yeah. going to give it a go. And I, I don't know, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of examples of, of situations like that, and the closest I can think of is um, Stuart Baird working on Star Trek Nemesis, and look what happened there. So maybe that doesn't bode particularly well. But if it's, I don't know, like, if it means he doesn't do the first half of Hacksaw Ridge again, but he's allowed to indulge more in the visceral stuff that was the second half of Hacksaw Ridge, cool. And like Brad says, if it's the, the themes of... A, bad people and redeem, uh, you know, redeeming themselves, then fucking fantastic. And let, let me just point out, though, I mean, Warner Brothers won't fuck with him. Or DC won't fuck with him. Do you know what I mean? He'll get to do what he wants. And second of all, you know, do you think that anyone who goes, people that paid $800 million or whatever it is worldwide to see Suicide Squad, the first one, give a fuck about who directs the second one? No, quite. no, I don't think they give a fuck about it the first one. I don't think I have no... No, that's what I'm getting at. People are complaining. The small vocal minority of people who are going to be pissed off because Mel Gibson said some bad things once when he was drunk, or twice, and, you know, admitted to hitting a woman. 
you know, those people aren't going to make a dent to the box office. All it's going to take is one great trailer and Mel Gibson going, fuck yeah, I've made this awesome. Yeah. And the film's going to make a fuck ton of money. And if ever there's a film that can attract bad publicity and have it be good publicity, it's Suicide Squad, because the whole film feels like it's, the whole concept is about bad people doing good things. Mm. Yeah. And instantly, instantly, almost weirdly, Mel Gibson becomes the fucking star of that movie without actually probably being in it. Exactly. And the thing is, Mel Gibson... Uh, yeah also the way i see it yeah he said some bad things but as he said every single one of the things that mel gibson has done with the exception of the interview where he slagged off the um you know gays and got pissed off with you know glad pissed off them in 91 he did under the influence even that he was probably under the influence as well you know it was alcoholism he admitted to alcoholism it's a disease if he was mentally ill he wouldn't have got as much attention he went to rehab he served his figurative time in hollywood jail terms Hmm. You know, he hasn't drunk in 10 years. He doesn't do anything. He's open about the things he's done. He's apologised for the things he feels he needs to apologise for and not for the things that he doesn't. You know, just let it go. And then just don't see the film if you don't want to see it. There is an argument, yeah, I, I can absolutely sort of agree with you on that. It's People have done a lot worse and been forgiven um, by a lot more people. I mean, I get it if you're pissed off with Roman Polanski or Woody Allen. At least some of the things they're accused of or did do. You know, border on or are illegal. You know. Yeah. Gibson. Mel yeah. Gibson has owned up to everything and confronted it head on. I mean, what, what I think my question is what more do people want from someone before they're allowed to atone for it? Well, that's it. They, they, they want him to, to go away. Mm. It, 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 anyway. The last thing I'll say is. I love the first half of Hacksaw Ridge and watching it a second time oh I enjoyed that first half even more I've, I've still still not watched Hacksaw Ridge yet I'm, I am, but I am actually quite looking forward to, to it at first schmaltzy half um, or, or not I'm still well, behind what, it what he does what he does in those first 40 minutes is lull you into that sense of security of the old fashioned Hollywood war movies and mm. then really confront it with a diptych of you know what all those things you like fuck them fuck <laughs> <Like laughs> you Watch everyone get annihilated. I wasn't comforted. I was fucking. I was wanting to tear my hair out because of how fucking insipid it was. Everything was so heightened. I love it. Hugo Weaving's performance, Rachel Griffiths' performance. It just felt like he knows exactly what he's doing. So when you get an hour and ten minutes of carnage, it's balanced. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We'll we'll have to agree anyway, to disagree on that. But I mean, I agree. With I guess you if on we're talking about the film. <laughs> I guess if we're, I mean, if I had to, well, we're going to get into awards more, so maybe we can rank our best picture nominees when we get into that, into that um, topic. Because I also saw your Moonlight thoughts as well, so that's probably worth mentioning. So anyway, if you're talking about Carnage, segue. Do we want to talk about John Wick Chapter Two? Love it, love it, love it. Um, directed by Chad something or other, Stalensky. Yeah, Stalensky. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. So starring Keanu Reeves. Matrix Two. Uh, common, um, most. What's his Italian, name? Ricardo something something. Most Italian man I think I've ever seen on screen in my life. That hair was just as soon as he was. Oh, he was awesome. Was, I mean, I, do, do you think anyone's ever had a more punchable face in the history of yeah, cinema? I, I, yeah, I very much agree with that. The um, all spoilers all the time. The moment where John Wick shoots him is one of the most satisfying <laughs> fucking moments of violence I've seen in quite some time. Um, I think... I. But what's the other guy's name? The very famous Italian dude who played the... Uh, Ian McShane's... Michael Nero, yeah. 
Frank and Nero, that's right. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, they're in it. Um, and story is. Um, oh, and Ruby Rose, which we should definitely talk about at some point. Yes, uh, Triple X Return <laughs> yeah. of Xander Cage's Ruby Rose um, is is also in it. So uh, I get the feeling that the guys who made John Wick Two had a, had the opportunity to see an early cut of Triple X Three and realised, oh my god, we shouldn't let her talk. I, I, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. And then <laughs> and then reshot fair. her portions of the film. You know. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I I will defend the Return of Xander Cage until my dying. Breath. Oh no! Um, I, I love I love the Return of Xander Cage, but she's an awful actress. Yeah. Well. She's yeah. She, she's she's. I I would go as further than that and say she's not an actress. She just happens to have got in some films. Well, Orange is the New Black is what did it for her, didn't it? But being being attractive and and being willing to take your clothes off is what did it for her. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just not anyway. going to bother with a fucking synopsis here. Okay, what did we think of John Wick Chapter 2? Who wants to start? Not me. I, I, I'll let you start, Ian, because I've got, I've got a brief text about work I've just got to respond to. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, you uh, start then, Ian. I, 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 will, I will crack on. Uh, loved John Wick Chapter 2. Um, yeah, it's everything you want it to be. And uh, I, I was... Very pleasantly surprised how much they um, opened up on the mythology of of the whole thing. It feels like they've created their own little universe here. Um, I've barely ever been as pumped for a sequel as I was by the ending of this film. I need the start of John Wick Chapter 3 for him to be running with his dog. Uh, It will be. There's no way it won't be. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I don't know. I thought that I, the, the plot kind of got me more than I, I thought it was going to. I like the fact that both of these films are really, really pared down narratives, but with this massive world around them. But it's John Wick and a personal thing and everyone in the world reacting to him. Um, I, I mean, like the, the starting was fantastic. Just about the right amount of Peter Stormare. Um, I'm, I'm kind of no, 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 no. There's back. never enough PS. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, it, I was. I, I, I like how they kind of set you up there, kind of thinking like, almost like, right, okay, it's going to be him versus the bad guys from the, the guy from the first one's brother now, and then it's peace, and then they move on from that. I, I, I have a dream about making a film that's just a really good solid film, right? And just casting Peter Stormare in the lead and getting him an Oscar. Because <laughs> there was a time when Peter Stormare was in great films, like yeah. great proper serious films, not like action films, like Dancer in the Dark. There, there was yeah, like a, a brief kind of period, which from like the mid to mid nineties to early noughties, yeah. and then. And I mean, like you're telling me you wouldn't watch Loving with Peter Stormare instead of Ruth Negger? <laughs> well, no, I'm not telling you that at all. I'd love to see that. Yeah, exactly, man. He should be given more parts. You know, they're all about more parts for women, more parts for Asians, more parts for black people. What about more parts for Peter Stormares? Mm. <laughs> I mean, he's even absolutely perfect in Until Dawn, the, the PS4 game. He's bloody... Yeah. If, if either of you have played that, he's fucking fantastic. No. He's in it, like, no, every sorry. every 45 minutes or so. He's, like, in between the episodes in it, and he's great. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't know. The the action is just as good as the uh, as the first film. 
just as crunchy. The the sound design for the weapons again sounds like cannons going off every time, and I love it. Um, yeah, I I would love to know what bit was cut down for the fifteen. Well, there's something to do with the suicide scene. Now, my feeling oh, it's got to be I, her in the bathtub. I have to admit, I was about to say I fell asleep for about three minutes, and I woke up and she was lying in the bathtub, bled, bleeding. So I'm assuming that's where it was. Yeah, maybe there's more detail there. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad they, they cut it down then, because that kind of stuff per- personally bothers me. Um, yeah. I didn't need more detail with that. I thought that was graphic enough. I don't yeah. know. I mean, Mark Mark loves bleeding out Italian women, so... Downright, I fucking do. And it was uh, it was Claudio uh, Granari from uh, the film Tulpa, wasn't it? Oh, that's right, it was. My yes. God, the wonderful Tulpa. Uh, do you know Tulpa's available on iTunes? Yeah, I don't even it's, know what it's, Tulpa is. Tulpa, oh, is this Tulpa. film played Fright Fest. Uh, and I made, loved like, it. <laughs> yeah, like five, six years ago, which went down... I mean, it was one of the funniest public film screenings I've ever been to. Um, I mean, it it went down so badly that the director and the cast basically cancelled their Q&A after because they were so embarrassed. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, shouldn't that be the case with most films that play at Fright Fest nowadays? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, But I I must admit, I, I, I... Thoroughly enjoyed Tulpa. Uh, it was actually yeah. There was twenty three seconds cut of a bloody a bloody a bloody injury within a suicide scene. Yeah, so it is okay. twenty seconds from so, that. Um, had a quick look. Apparently, it's it's um, close ups um, that you can see on her arms when she's laid back. Right. So a slight tangent then. People were going nuts on Twitter a couple of weeks back when it I was, was as well. Actually, that, yeah. That that this was being cut. Mm. Um. So, people were going nuts about not seeing enough detail in a suicide, eh? People just go yeah. nuts when they see um, that things had to be cut. But it, it, the no, thing well, is, it, I, I remember... it was cut to get a 15 rather than an 18. That's the reason why it was cut. It wasn't cut because yeah. they said you can't, you can't show that. It was cut as a strategic decision by the studio to go, does he really need that? No, no, that's it. And that's kind of what bugged me about it. I didn't give a fuck what they cut. My point is the fact that the studios were pandering to get a little bit more money. Just release the film your filmmaker made. You know what it is? I th- yeah, I mean, there is that, but... They want to, they're, they're wanting to build a world and they need it to make money to build a world. I don't think that... The, that I that don't John think Wick the UK going... gross of John Wick 2 is going to add a phenomenal amount to their overall... Especially like, not between profit. the ages of 15 and 18. 15 and 18. It's so not... what I'm getting at is, I understand that they needed to cut it to get between NC-17 and R in America, because that's a significant outreach. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of uh, cinema scares don't even scream NC-17 nowadays. To be fair, man, that pencil in the ear was probably more fucking painful to watch. It is. It, it, it will be one of those weird little quirky rules that uh, the BBFC have where it's it's a little bit of a, look, our hands are tied. If you show this, we have to give you this. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just, don't, I, I, it kind of feels, and I know you're, you're, you weren't saying this, Brad, but it feels like people just need like wanting to attack the BBFC. Yeah, no, though... I'm, I'm a big defender of the BBFC. So am I, I, I wasn't yeah. blaming the BBFC. I was blaming the studio for that's, Yeah, that's that's why because it saying. wasn't the BBFC's fault. Those are their rules. The studio chose to cut to make more money. Hmm. So they, they're choosing commerce over art. And I know, yes, that's what the Hollywood does in general. But I don't know. 
It'd be like yeah. saying they cut a sex scene out of Beauty and the Beast to get a PG. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've kind of said my thoughts on it. Uh, Brad, go on. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, I thought it took a bit too long to get going. Like, I'm all for setup, but, you know, I just want to see shooty, shooty. But my old housemates in my third year of uni, uh, they used to have this thing whenever we watched a film, no matter how great an action film it was. I remember the first time it happened, we watched Mission Impossible 3 on DVD. And Mission Impossible 3, of all the Mission Impossible films, is probably the one that has the most action to, to dialogue. Like, it was pretty lean. And at the end of it, I was like, what do you think? And they went, oh, it was all right, but, you know, too much talky-talky, not enough shooty-shooty. And that was their thing for most films. I remember we saw The Departed, you know, which isn't even about shooty-shooty. It was too much talky-talky, not enough shooty-shooty. And for the first time, I kind of agreed with them. I watched this and went, yeah, yeah, you know, too much talky-talky, not enough shooty-shooty. Because I love the world building, but I was also a bit like, yeah, I don't need to see him re-cement over his, uh, his uh, guns for five minutes. I, I must admit, during that scene, I was looking at it going, that cement makes his shit for what he's doing. <laughs> and, and, you know... You literally, it was way too thick. He could have just fucking poured that in and then just scraped it over and it just left it in a set time. Yeah, and, you know, these things are different for every people. And it's funny, when I think of John Wick, one of the things I always remembered was Thomas Sadowski's cop character. Oh, um, yes, yeah. Hmm. So I was. I love that they brought everyone back, but at the same time, I was also disappointed that they only really brought him back for like a line. Mm. But that's just me being a bit anal. I thought, uh, I again like Ian says. I love the simplicity of the storyline, just like the first one. I like the world. I mean, the world building was kind of what made the film. Was, well, just my mum was getting all pumped by the world building, and that never fucking happens. <laughs> You know, the uh, just the bit where he went to see Peter Serafenowitz and then he also went to see the map guy and he went to see the tailor and it was just like that was great fun and I thought but at the same time I don't think the story lived up to the simplicity of the first one which was man kill dog get revenge yeah and also that primal need especially if, you know, if you're a dog owner so most people will react I would you react you feel it more personally as much satisfying as it was to see the Mr. Italian get shot at the end it wasn't as satisfying as watching Alfie Allen get it in the first one because he killed that fucking dog yeah I but. mean I don't know about that actually <laughs> um, because they, they, they so overdo how much that Italian is a dickhead that you I, I, I don't know the, with the first one Alfie Allen he gets killed with about 20-25 minutes to go and it is yeah because then you get that yes he, he did kill the dog but it kind of it doesn't really feel like he's the main antagonist in that film in this the Italian very 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 much is and I just wanted to see him get shot in the face and he got shot in the face and while delivering a really smug line to Keanu Reeves and that's exactly the ending that that guy deserved and it was close to a standing up cheering and walking out of the cinema moment as I as I could come it was like if they just cut to black after that that would have been super duper I mean the ending actually was part of me that thought they were going to cut to black after that it would have been Um, it would have been great but they're they're very much setting this up for not two films not three films but four or five films I don't know it feels very much like a trilogy to me I mean where do you go much bigger than internationally hitmen all coming for him do you send him to space? Why not? 
<laughs> I know, but my feeling is this feels very much like a, a trilogy. It, it does. I can see what you're saying. It does feel quite like the first one was very much a singular film on its own. This feels like it's doing something. It's doing a lot of setup for the next movie. Look, it did a good job of doing the thing that I normally hate in second films, which is giving you enough thrills while purely existing to get to the point they want to get to in the third one. Yeah. You know, like I, I call it the worst case scenario of this. It was uh, Independence Day Resurgence that spent two hours and how actually bizarrely only two hours getting you to the point where they said, right, we're going to take the fight to them, which is what this film should have been. Hmm. I think John Wick 2 did a good job of expanding the world enough and giving you enough thrills, but was really not resolving much. Giving you a villain that you wanted to see killed enough that it felt like resolution. And also well, yeah, setting up the next I, I, one. I mean, that, that's the thing. They, they've got the personal story on the larger canvas. And I mean, I suppose there is a, maybe, a con- maybe a concern that maybe something you've promised there that, that, that makes one will be a large story played out on a large canvas and can, can I mean, they're going to get the money. You saw that you saw the money this one made in America this weekend open to what, three, four times as much as the last one did. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I think he's, um, was it like, uh, is it close to 90 million over 11? It's days over, now? over 90 million. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, that's, that's in, incredibly impressive. And I mean, it opened over here not too badly as well. I think I, I, I saw it tweeted earlier on. Well, they, have, they haven't done the weekend yet. I don't know. We won't get the weekend numbers till tomorrow, will we? No, there's, um, oh, at, um, is it at Tom Grater? I think he, um, might work for, oh no, Tom, uh, Tom Linne, I think his name is. He works for, um, uh, DCM and he seems to get like early, like non final oh. grosses. Oh, let me have a quick look at something. I, what else did I think? I thought it was a bit of a, they better fucking give Lawrence Fishburne more to do in the next one because his whole thing, again, to me, like it felt like a 10 minute diversion to have a Matrix reunion when instead of further, instead of just getting us to the point we wanted. Yeah, I'm hoping that that whole underground network of homeless assassins has like something more to do in the next one. Oh, they will. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's John Wick teaming up with them to kind of like overthrow the high table and then Lawrence Fishburne's going to be in charge. And then the fourth one might be like Keanu Reeves versus Lawrence Fishburne or something, you know, I mean. Yeah, I the point is the years haven't been as kind to Lawrence Fishburne as they have been to Keanu Reeves. And, well, no, you true, know. but I, I don't know. I've got a feeling Lawrence Fishburne likes food more than Keanu Reeves, so it kind of is what it is. I think he likes food more than Keanu Reeves. I think he'd be more likely to invite Keanu Reeves out on a date. Sorry, food out on a date than Keanu Reeves. He probably had. Yeah, he probably would. Yeah. Do you know what's staggering? Do you know what's staggering? Do you know how many years there are between Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves? Not many. Three or four? In terms of age, three. There's three years between them. That is... I I honestly thought Lawrence Fishburne, I thought he was in his mid to late 60s and he's not he's 55 that's insane. so there you go John Wick made 88.7 <laughs> million worldwide in its entire run and John Wick 2 has currently made 90.5 yeah. and it's a week into it brilliant so you're getting the next one they're getting a bigger budget oh, absolutely yeah. yeah so there you go I mean, I, I, yeah I, I, I don't know I mean I, I would say I could do with less montages about how much of a badass John Wick is and how he's going to come and kill you. It. I could also do with less montages of him looking at pictures of his fucking dead wife. 
Yes, yeah. Yeah, we get um, it, she's dead. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, this, this one is a good 20 minutes longer than the first one. And, th- and it feels it. Yeah, yeah, it, that's the thing. It does feel it. Um, it's not as stripped down, and that's fair enough, because it is a larger story. But it does... I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, there's the... I, even the thing it needs towards, to achieve, it achieves. It could have done an hour and forty. Sorry. The things that it needs to achieve that it did achieve, it could have done an hour and forty. There's twenty minutes off. There is about at least ten to fifteen minutes of fat in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, cut that out. But I, I don't know. It's just I, I, I. It's a. It's a cracking. It's a cracking time. I. I don't know how much meat there is for three people to really get into with John Wick Chapter Two. It just no, it I'm kind absolute... of done. Although I, do you, know, you know who? As my parents pointed out, you know, you know when, when oh, an Italian woman dies and he makes his way into all the things, but then he just walks out the front door like nothing happened. It is a bit like really. But did you the DJ this sort of blonde DJ before like two shots for a moment there? I don't know why, but I thought Tilda Swinton had snuck in for a cameo, <laughs> and part of me wonders if it actually was. Well, that's such a Tilda Swinton thing to do, just to pop in as a DJ for one shot in John Wick Two. I can totally imagine. It's probably just in Italy at the time. I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I could be in John Wick too. <laughs> Mate, I would love to see Tilda Swinton go up against Keanu Reeves in John Wick 3. <laughs> I mean, imagine yeah. if that DJ was Tilda Swinton and then you get a flashback in the next one showing that she was there the whole time That's and was part of some bigger thing. Yeah. yeah. And then she comes back to be like the head of like, like, like the, the head of the head t- high table or whatever it is. You could tell, yeah. And I mean, Tilda to, to be fair, Tilda Swinton as the head of the high table makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah, she like, yeah. Just Tilda, but can you imagine just Tilda Swinton like going up against Keanu Reeves. What, like in fucking an actual physical fight? Yeah, not like Constantine, but like in an actual physical fight. That, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it would be quite something. God, I love Tilda Swinton. <sighs> she should be in everything. Anyway, yeah, I'm done. I don't really have anything else to say. Mark, any more? Uh, no, other than the fact is, it's it's great to see that that Keanu Reeves every now and again just has the ability to just come out and create a, 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 what will be a huge sort of movie and a huge another sort of huge franchise on a more cult scale than I think uh, the Matrix was. But it's he's very very good at what he does in this, and it's it, it's kind of one of the standout things from it. I think has been it it, it it's taken action back to. You don't have to try and be clever with it. Show wide shot of the action and make the action interesting rather than the constant shaking around and moving of the camera angle and trying to make it feel like you're part of the action. And that's what I've, I've really... I think that's what why John with the first one kind of sports people is because it, it gave people the opportunity to sit and watch it rather than essentially try and make people feel like they're part of it. Um, the story wasn't as good as the... the, the, the not wasn't as good. The story was, like I say, they were... They had a story within it and they were trying to build a world around it. The world building was a lot better than the story that was, that was running through it, uh, throughout it. So I think this movie will improve on rewatch if you're watching it as part of what will be possibly a trilogy or four or five or whatever, I think it, it will elevate it to there once they can pick bits out of it. I, I do think it's amusing the fact that you had Ruby Rose being, you know, constantly there and constantly there, and then when she actually gets her final fight bit, it, it's over. It, he, he demolishes her really quickly and really quite easily, almost like it, like you expect him to just go, was that it? How did, yeah, how did he, she rise to that position? When that he wouldn't was do that. He, would, he wouldn't do that to Tilda Swinton. 
So, yeah. Keanu Reeves is just an actor who knows his limitations and plays into them phenomenally. And when you have three action classics now on your CV, John Wick, The Matrix, and Speed, I mean, fuck it. More. And also just knowing that he is the More action nice... What's the fourth? Point Break. Uh, I watched it again recently. It didn't hold up. Yeah, the, I um, totally disagree with you. It's an action classic. I wouldn't really call Point Break an action film. You see, there's not much action in it. It's a good thriller. I could, I, could, I, could, I could agree with that, yeah, certainly. Maybe it was an action film by early 90s standards, but even then it didn't have much action to say, like, Commando. No, I think it was the, it was the bridge between how action went in the, uh, eight, late, in the 80s to how it was going to start to become inside the early 90s, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, Keanu Reeves, man, I mean, he's got more classics on his CV, do you know what I mean, in terms of action classics, but then I think, oh, yeah, I just, it's just, it's just, I don't know what I'm going to say anymore, but I have things to say. <laughs> definitely not shit definitely not shit no definitely not shit very good um so Oscars talk now we've had an email in to the show and fair play the I haven't told Mark about this yet but I got a DM from the author yesterday saying that he understands if I didn't want to read it on the show oh the author um, of the email Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. Um, I won't say I won't say who it's from, um, just in case he's worried about what he's saying in there. It's nothing like super controversial. Get on with but, it. Okay. So, hi chaps. Was hanging on to this email until you have seen Moonlight. I know Ian has, so here it is. I went in to see Moonlight with huge expectations and haven't been so let down for quite a while. To me, this is a clear case of reverse Oscars so white. No one dares to give criticism to a film which deals with homosexuality and in the black community. This three-part structure film has a decent first part, but after that it's quite disappointing. The change of leads is woeful for a start. They haven't even tried to find similar actors. It's not emotional, and the cinematography goes for a malic aesthetic that feels quite a bit below that standard. It's not a terrible film, but I'm just staggered at the five-star love. I just think films like this and Selma at United Kingdom seem untouchable and get a free pass. I've not seen Hidden Figures, but looks in a similar vein. I loved Loving and 12 Years a Slave. I'm not some racist bigot. Your letterbox review, this is to me specifically, um, read like a lower-scored film. Were you concerned about leaving a lower score, for instance? Thoughts on all of this? Well, my thoughts are uh, I wouldn't be ashamed about having an email read about where you're questioning whether it's uh, positive discrimination or whatever or reverse psychology on nominating films. I would be ashamed at just getting some of that horribly wrong. I mean, it's not... I, I would never look at the cinematography and call it Malikian in any way. I mean, it is carefully framed and carefully shot by the same guy who shot Tuscan yoga horses. Yeah, but what? Yeah, it's more the fact that that's very deliberately shot film. It doesn't have that. I mean, Malik shoots is loosey goosey. You know, I mean, I I I wouldn't compare it to that. I wouldn't say, you know, to say that trying to cast the leads and them not matching, 
doesn't work, you know, it's bad, it's wrong, it just doesn't work for you. But the, the, the intention was never to cast three actors that yeah, looked Yeah, but Barry Jenkins has actually come out and said he didn't give a fuck about that, didn't he? It, it, was, it, was, the it was about carrying the spirit of the performance, which I'd yeah. say all three of them did. I thought the middle one was weakest, but, and then to say the three acts dropped, he, he, he says definitively the first act worked, the others didn't. I said, no, it worked for you, but I think every person I've spoken to has probably a different ranking of which of those segments they preferred. And a film that does a triptych structure is always going to be a bit of a gamble for a lot of people because it's not a straightforward narrative. I mean, in, in his defence, I mean, I was I, personally, for me, the first act was by uh, was by far the strongest. Um, and I think when he's saying Maliki, and I think it's may, I mean, maybe I'm putting words in his mouth, but I think it's maybe shots where uh, like Mahershala Ali has, has is kind of cradling him in the um, in 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 the in the ocean. Look, um, the film is beautifully shot. I do think there's a couple of shots. I mean, my thing with Moonlight, it's uh, yeah, I think it's a four star film. You know, I think. I saw it back in. I mean, I was so pumped. I went to the London Film Festival with three films I was really pumped to see uh, The Handmaid and Manchester by the Sea and Moonlight. I mean, I was in the tank for Moonlight from that first trailer. So I saw it quite early in the hype cycle. I also saw it 20 minutes after Christine ended, and I loved Christine. And having that in my head, going to watch Moonlight probably wasn't the best thing. Mm. And I keep meaning to sit down and watch Moonlight again, and I got around to it. But I thought. It's impressive, especially as a jump up from its first film. It's a very impressively made film. It's impressively acted. With, for, you know, I hate Naomi Harris, but that's just I don't like her in anything. Uh, I mean, I don't mind her as a person. I'm sure she's lovely, but as an actress, and I thought it. You know, but the thing is, it, it it feels like if he was to win an Oscar for this, I think even he would probably for directing this. I think even he would probably think in 10 years' time when he makes his fifth film, he didn't deserve it for a second. It very much feels like a second film from a guy who's got some stuff to learn. There's some moments in it that feel borderline student film, but there's some other moments in it that are just transcendent and beautiful and wonderful. You know, it's a guy still learning. It's the same thing I kind of have with Damien Chazelle and La La Land as well. You know, I really like La La Land, but there's, I wouldn't say it's student filmmaking from a, from a technical perspective, but I'd say the script feels like something written by someone straight out of film school, which is what it is. Well, yeah, you, you can. You, I could say you could. You could say that the concept of that movie, and the idea of that movie, is like the dream movie that he'll have had in film school. Yeah, but also it's not just. It's not. Ju- it's not just that. I mean, I'm talk, talking about that. Um, um, just that eight-minute fucking interminable argument scene in the middle of La La Land that goes nowhere. It exists purely because the film needs them to have an argument, not because those characters feel like they generally have an argument like that. There are moments in it that feel like this is not as tight a script as Whiplash, which he wrote afterwards. Anyway, we're still on Moonlight. It's... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would just like to say, um, just answering his, his point, and, um, the, the the thing about, was I worried about my, uh, about the rating and whatnot? No. Um, I mean, but even though I would say, Camilla Long, who is an idiot, um, has yeah. been getting a lot of shit on Twitter today uh, for her Moonlight review, and she gave it three stars. So um, I I don't know. It yeah, feel, I she would get shit no matter what she did. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I don't know. Like her point about it being only seen by white males. It's just like, uh, yeah. All right. Look, um, I went. To, my my friends went to see it at the. I went to see it at a press screen London Film Festival. My friends went to see it. I bought them tickets for their birthday at the uh, premiere where they all did a Q and A afterwards, and they said the reaction in that room from predominantly. You know, mixed audience, you know, you know, blacks, Indians, Pakistani, it wasn't what was rapturous. And I do imagine, you know, it, it seems to be having an effect on people. I think it's, are there people who I trust not to get swept up in hype? I mean, they never get swept up in hype, but they thought it was be- just like stunning. 
And I do think it's a film that's going to play better in America than it's going to play here, as the BAFTAs kind of proved. You know, it's very much an American story. But I, I, I just want to say, if I was worried about my my opinion on it, I, I, which I, 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 people's thinking on my opinion of it, I would leave the rating there and probably not leave a review if I was worried about people being bothered about it. But yeah, I, the I, point I, is I to sit there and lump it in with. I, I genuinely yeah, think it's a four star film. That first the act things that, is five star. The things that worked worked like gangbusters. You know, and I sit there and think, you know, to lump it in with the United Kingdom Selma and then, you know, preemptively hidden figures is basically just they're very different films. Yeah, I mean, I mean in terms the of intention, he's lumping get... them in purely in by race, and that's a strange thing to do. But I, I, get I think, his, I, I I think that's point, because they've though, been, they've been spoken together as, as as those those films. I don't think it's it's necessarily a race thing clumping together. But it is, I think, as a reactionary thing to to the the campaign of last year with the Oscars so white thing. I think it's it's a perfectly natural kind of look to look at it and say, right, well, you've got fences, hidden figures, and, and moonlight. The only one of those films that I believe would not get a Best Picture nomination without Oscar So White being a thing as Fences. You see, I would have said Hidden Figures. I would have said none of them, to be honest. I think, they, I think they all would have got nominated anywhere. They're all... I'm, they're not, all so, I think, I'm not so sure about Fences, I, but Hidden Man, mate, Ian, 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 Hidden Figures is, is, is Oscar all over. Oh, I no, am. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so Oscar all over that I'm amazed that people fell for it. No, but you know what? It was it was played just right. It wasn't just that; it was the campaigning. It went wide when voting was going on. It's not. Yeah, do you know what I mean? True. They played a feel-good film as the only other feel-good film in a race. I mean, Lion, I guess, has people feeling good, but it's a different kind of thing as a thing against La La Land. And I think I actually think if they released it in figures even two weeks earlier, it would, be, it would have had a higher nomination count. Yeah, I, I yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. It just. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, if it was about three white women, I'm not entirely sure yeah, it would be the, as bulletproof as it appears to have been with with people. I, I don't know. I think if it was a, if it was if it was a true story, just inspirational about three white women, it might just have done. I'm not. I, I mean, just it, with with the climate. I, I'm not, I, I don't mean in terms of the Oscar nominations. I mean in terms of people. Taking it to, to like a rapidly defending it as much as some people have. Yeah, you know what? I, though, wonder, it's, it's, I wonder. That's all. But the film isn't so much about it being a film about three black women. I mean, race is intrinsic to the storyline. And the point is, this film would have got nominated if it was about that five. I mean, fucking Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture. Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. But I mean, it's like Crash. Like Crash won a shitload, but people didn't like take it to their bosoms as much as Hidden Figures has been. I, 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 I think yeah, Hidden Figures that. is a is is more of an inspirational film than Crash. You know, it's a true story of these people that launched America into space. I don't and you know, just, also I, bear in mind, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put there the racing just in front of it as well. If, if it was that story about not those people done in that way, I would, I, I would be surprised if as many critics were as into it as as they are. Maybe the critics wouldn't be, but the Oscar nom- critics might be different, but the Oscar nomination count and the and the box no, office would have been I'm the same. Not, I'm not arguing the Oscar nomination thing. I'm not like I think that's fair. it is it is machine tooled for that kind of thing. I'm surprised as many people have fallen for it as they have, and I I I think it is because to to an extent because of that angle. 
is it, is, it is, that, is the reason for that in for, for you because I, I, I watched in the figures earlier today uh, is it because it it's quite frothy and it, it plays up the um the feel good element I think to, to a large extent and it's it's it never tries to get overtly serious I don't think except for a couple of moments for the majority of the time of it it's trying to tell a more I, I don't know I suppose a lighter side than than could have been told of the story yeah I don't know I mean, maybe I, just, I don't I, know I, I just wish it was, yeah, I kind of wish it was more biting. I would like to see a documentary on this subject. I don't want yeah, to but see I say that about most. I say that about most true story films. You see, I'd rather see a documentary. <laughs> it's often true. The problem is people aren't going to pay attention to that story if it's a documentary. No, no it, you're right. It's often true. It, 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 it is... With true stories like that, which um, are not uh, which are not biopics as such, they're actual true stories. Like you say, often having a two-hour documentary is going to give you a lot more information about what actually went on than a than a, a Hollywood film about it. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I I, I just I, I I was actually I genuinely pretty more Oscar nominations. I thought that film was going to get nominated for Kevin Costner. I thought if it was a weak year for actress Taraji P Henson, probably would have got in as well. And I think with a couple more weeks on it, it would have done. Hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, moving away from hidden figures, I, I, I suppose maybe. But I, I, like fences, I was really into bored. until the last minute, maybe. And I think may, maybe that is just that the, the play is what it is. But I did not need the gates of heaven opening to welcome Denzel Washington in. I mean, that's not literally what happens, but... I... Yeah. I, 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 like, I thought it was a fascinating character study of a guy who just fucked himself... Like, just fucked himself through misplaced pride and ego and anger... And then at the end of it, after the two and a bit hours of reprehensible shit that he does, you get that ending. It was a weird I, choice to me. I had a problem. I think my problem with Fences going into it was two things. One of all, I was just like, they have made no attempt to make this anything other than a play on yeah, film. Yeah, no, it, it very much is a, a play on film, yeah. The fact that August Wilson is posthumously nominated for adapted screenplay when that screenplay was not adapted except interior scene whatever added to it mm. is just strange and I think I was also against it because of listening to interviews with Denzel Washington where he seems to be so like I don't even like directing films I'm only making it because I promised this guy I would do it uh, my intentions weren't to make it anything more than just filming the place so more people could see it I'm not sure I'm going to direct anything else again because you know I don't really feel passionate about anything I was like you know fuck you you don't deserve your film to be seen by people do you know what, really I, I, what I found with, with Fences um, that, that struck me about it was, I mean, I, I really liked Fences. I, I can absolutely agree with Ian. Uh, the, the the last minute kind of did take it away. It's You can tell that Denzel um, and Viola Davis are both, and I'm pretty sure they're both in the play together. Um, you can tell that it feels rehearsed to within an inch of its life uh, in that they have a patter down fantastically it does feel like a play structure the fact that you've got a couple of set out locations and that is where the majority of the film is 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 said uh, in, in there and um, it feels a lot like i mean like you said with denzel i think this is is it his third film he's directed 
Um, yeah. And that's it, it, yeah. you know, for a man who's in his sixties and has been making films as long as he has, if, if directs is something he wanted to do, he'd have done it a lot fucking more. It's the same as the the De Niro thing. De Niro's directed two movies, and the reason why he says he'll never direct another one is because he doesn't actually really like directing. He's tried to hand it a couple of times, doesn't like it. This felt like the sort of film that now, that, that in 2016, um, that. Spike Lee should have been making. And would have made it probably feel a bit more vital. Um, I, I, no, Spike Lee, if you'd have got Spike Lee, would have taken a, a standard trajectory of growing up from Spike Lee 1995, 96 to, to now. I, I thoroughly agree with you. But now, I don't think he can. I don't. I think he's, he's that twisted by other things and by paranoia and just ridiculousness that he, he wouldn't have been able to make fences. I think as well, it, it is... It worked for me, it, the idea of just basically going, look, we've got this really good play, let's just fucking shoot it as if it's virtually the fucking play. It worked for I, me in the fact that I, I, it would have missed to... had you not got as as great acting performances out of it. I just want to go back to, sorry, slightly off topic, back to that question you got asked when the guy sat there and lumped it in with Selma in the United Kingdom. Selma is a fucking amazing film that deserved a lot more than it got on its merits, nothing to do with the race side of things. The United Kingdom is one of the most abysmal pieces of shit I've seen made by the British film industry. And if you want to talk about making a documentary, it would have been much more interesting, especially as the woman that Rosamund Pike is playing is 24 and Rosamund Pike's, what, 40 fucking one? And it looks... I mean, the whole thing was... She was awful in it. The whole film was an awful fucking film. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, even though, I mean, it, it got... Fairly kind reviews as well. And yeah, it I did. Guess... I was actually shocked at the reviews. I was in that press screening when everyone was sniggering through the whole thing at how stupid it was, and then those same critics went out and wrote good reviews. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that's... and I, I just want to say my thing about hidden figures. It's not about the story in the in the slightest. It's the filmmaking. I I don't like. I I think. I'm I'm just surprised people weren't more critical of that film from a filmmaking point of view, but it is what it. Yeah, is. but then again, no, but then again, Morton Tilden got a best director nomination for the Intimidate Imitation yeah, Game. So, so you know, when it comes down to technical skill, I don't think they really seem to give a fuck anymore. So, like, did you direct a film we liked? Yeah, and it's not like Ted Melfi got a best director nomination for Hidden Figures. It's I don't know. It just that that film has a higher Metacritic than I would have expected. I don't know. I've watched it three times now, and I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Fuck me. Okay. Yeah, it's an easy one to watch. I watched it at a, 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 like screen unseen about what six weeks ago. Mm. I watched it uh, on a screener with my girlfriend, and then I watched it on a screen on a screener again with my parents because they wanted to watch it. And every time, it's like you know what? Yeah, I could watch that again. The thing is, I, yeah, I, I think it is. It's an incredibly easy, easy watch. I, I can absolutely see what you, you mean. It, it, it's very film by numbers. It's a three out of five. Yeah. It, <laughs> you know, it just, it's fine I, I, I watched it on a Sunday afternoon and I'm very I, I would never watch it on an evening or a night is what I'd say I think it would always be an yeah. afternoon movie but also things you know, again like you asked my parents I think that might be their favourite might not be but easily one of their favourite films nominated for best picture because it just works for some people it's just entertaining and sometimes that's what people want and I think that a film like Hidden Figures is helped less by Oscar So White and more by being released in a post-Trump America. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fair, yeah. A feel-good thing about the inspirational things people in America can do when they work together inclusively. Mm. You know, I just... 
mean, that was the other thing I meant to say about John Wick, actually. It was the first time I've watched a film feeling a bit like, I'm not sure I want to go around celebrating all these people just getting shot <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> it's the first time I've really felt it. And I sat and I thought, only by the fact that I know that Keanu Reeves is such a kind, nice man who is such a hard-voting Democrat makes me think it's okay. But there are certain actors that were in that part. I probably would have felt a bit ickier. Yeah. And this is me. I don't normally get affected by what's going on in the world in the films I watch. So, you know, clearly it shows how much of an impact it's having. Um, anyway, so the Oscar race. My, I just want to ask a very quick question. Yeah. I'll ask Mark first. Will you oh. rank your nine Best Picture nominees? I'll rank ones I've seen. I'll go through. I haven't seen um, Lion, Moonlight or Hacksaw Ridge yet. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, so, so rank the six you've seen. Um, from top to bottom. From, from best to us, for what I think will win are my favourites. I'm in trade in trying to work out just the three of us how a preferential ballot would look. So, well, from I'll, best I'll, to worst. I'll go from number best to one worst. to number six. Uh, number one, uh, La La Land. Yeah. Um, number two, Hello High Water. Number yeah. three, Arrival. Uh, yeah. Number four, Magic by the Sea. Number five, Fences. Uh, and number six, Hidden Figures. Ian? Um, number one, La La Land. Number two, Manchester by the Sea. Number three, Hello High Water. Number four, Arrival. Number five, Fences. Number six, Moonlight. Number seven, Lion. Number I'm torn between Hidden Figures and Hacksaw Ridge there, to be honest. Um, uh, number eight, Hacksaw Ridge. Number nine, Hidden Figures. Yeah, okay, hold on. I'm just remembering my order. Okay, so I would put Hello High Water at number one. Uh, I think that's an easy vote. For me, which is no, because I think my number one and two are quite close. It'll be Hell or High Water, then Manchester by the Sea, then uh, Hacksaw Ridge, then La La Land, then Hidden Figures, then Arrival, then Moonlight, then uh, Lion, and then Fences. And it's a close bottom there between Lion and Fences. And the point is, it shows how strong this year is. When I didn't dislike Lion, I thought it was a good three, three and a half star film. It's a similar thing with Fences. You know, it's not like there's a film that I outright hate being nominated this year. Yeah, it's a strong, it's a, it's a strong list, certainly. Ian, have you seen Lion? Yep. yep. If that uh, film was not a true story, it would be the dumbest fucking screenplay of the year. Well. And it just makes I, me sit there and think, why am I celebrating two hours watching a really stupid fucking man try and find his family? Why is he stupid? Well, first of all, it's a two-hour advert for Google Earth. So putting that aside, <laughs> it's the fact that he... I'm just going to boil down to one issue here that I really found stupid. The only thing this guy remembers is some stupid red things that he ate and that the place sounded like Ganesh Tali, Right? Uh, mm. or that he was by a water tower by a train station and then he travelled a certain amount of kilometres from that so he spends what is it about three years mapping out with all these red pieces of string where his home was to try and find where he came from yeah. 
and at the end we find out the place he went from is called Ganestalai or something like that yeah, like not that okay, different from Ganestalai so yeah. why not just spend those three years looking for the map for places that sound like Ganestalai well, and it's things been, like that. Well, to be fair, because he's had like years of people basically telling him, "Oh, there's no, there's no place like that. There's no place like that." You know, you 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 miss you misheard the town name. There's no place like that. But the first thing I would do if I suddenly saw a Google Earth type thing that mapped out every town in the world so well would be what, you know what, I'm just going to look through India for about a week with a very fine tooth comb and a microscope and see if anywhere sounds like that before I start mapping everything out by rough vague kilometers that I've worked out in my head. And I know it's a true story, so you have to accept that's how it was done. But I was just having a thought, also, why are you being such a dick about it to everyone? You were perfectly fine having a great there, there time until is... you saw some red... Yeah, Sorry? There, I, I agree with that. It's... Um... I, I, I think Dev Patel is actually very, very strong in it, and he makes it yeah, more good. believable than the actual, like, kind of the material on the page is. I'd love to know what made Rooney Mara want to play such a thankless part, but it's just, it was beautifully shot. It's well made. Nicole Kidman reminds us why she's so great, but it was just like, it's two hours long. It's, it's already like, it's like this would have made a great little 20 minute short documentary that could have been nominated for Best Short Documentary at the Oscars. Yeah. And. You know, it's kind of annoying me that Harvey Weinstein's up to his usual tricks doing this whole thing about, uh, you know, try, tying it into Trump's immigration ban now with his new marketing campaigns to try and get Lion the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, that shit's pretty rough. I'm kind of surprised he's... Of course I'm not fucking surprised. You know, the, the reason why he's not getting any shit is because it's anti-Trump, I think. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, no, and I think, and Hell or High Water for me is just kind of as perfect as a film gets while also having a timely message about the economy and the way people are in America. Yeah, Hell or High Water is, is, is I, I, I'm um, very glad that that's kind of got a little bit of recognition. I was actually really upset that, I was really upset that David McKenzie didn't get a nomination because I thought that was such a tight film. Mm. And I thought... The only thing that keeps it for me above Manchester by the Sea is that Manchester by the Sea probably goes on for about 10 minutes too long at the end. That's the only thing that has me ranking it just below hell or high water. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that Manchester by the Sea didn't really need to be that much over two hours. Yeah, I have no problem with La La Land winning Best Picture. I think it's a perfectly entertaining film. I love musicals. I like seeing musicals do well as long as they're not called Chicago because that really pissed me off. <laughs> I think... I think it could have been better. I think too much of that third act, or epilogue, sorry, of La La Land is reverse engineered from him trying to do a homage to Umbrellas of Cherbourg instead of actually serving his character's narrative in the way those characters' narrative deserve to be served. Um, but, you know, you can let it all go because the stuff that works works so well and ultimately it's just a fun film. and It's nice and it's sort of an agreeable Best Picture winner. Yeah, but, um, it, it, it feels like an oddly kind of leaden lead into the Oscars just because it does kind of it does just feel like an absolute foregone conclusion that La La Land's taking it. Um, yeah, it is. There's no there's no doubt about it. Just look at our ballots. I mean, mine was four. It was number one on both of yours. I mean, you're talking about preferential ballots. It's never going to be that low down on many people's. Yeah. No. A film like Moonlight is going to be hated by quite a lot of people. Who will put it lower? Not, not hated, but you know it's going to be low down on quite a few. It'll have to be number one or number seven or eight on ballots. It's not going to hover much, I don't think, around the twos, threes, and fours. Yeah. Uh, you know, a film like Hidden Figures is probably the closest thing that they have to a threat to yeah. 
thingy because that's a film that's going to hover around a lot of two, three, and four slots. And I went back to watch La La Land again after it won all those globes to assess the screenplay. And that screenplay is a mess. It's not a mess. It's just not a good screenplay. If it wins screenplay over Manchester by the Sea or Hell or High Water, which actually is the one I would probably just give it to in a push because it's so tight. I, I think that Hell or High Water could, could, get, could nick um, screenplay. That's what I think it could if, there, if there's if there's, a, if there's a vote split, but it's always dangerous to predict that, I'm going with Manchester by the Sea just because I think people are going to want to give Kenny Lonergan something and they, just like Barry Jenkins is going to get his in adapted screenplay. It's a nice way of, and you know, Kane is well respected in the industry. David Chazelle's getting best director. People know they've given him that. Ah, mm. uh, thirty fucking one away for years, and um, it. I just you can't be mad at something like La La Land. When you also admit that I'm always going to be much more hypercritical of musicals than some people are, because I think it's the best genre. Yeah. And to have La La Land have two best song nominees when Sing Street doesn't have one. Really so pisses me off. Sing does, does, Street, would you have gone for? Does Sing Street Drive qualify? Yeah. Yeah. Did, 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 did it qualify? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course it did. Because I, I, I wasn't sure whether or not because it, it, it was. I didn't know that it had been released in the US uh, in time or in the right time it frame. It came out of the US I, before it came out over here. Yeah, I, I, I thought it came out over here first. Yeah. So which, uh, which one? Which one? Sorry, would you have had uh, out of Sing Street? Dr- dr- drive it like you stole it. Yeah, for sure. By far. That and bear in mind, this is this is my tangent. My real tangent for the day is you know me. The the category that I'm most invested in every year is best original song, <laughs> for two reasons. One, because it's the it's the it's, it's the only award that can actually allow for a bit of fun to be injected into the academy if they nominate the right songs mm-hmm. into the show, and second of all, because I think it's such a thankless thing that people don't take seriously. And to this day, no matter how much they change the rules, films are still not voted for in context. Mm. which is what they're supposed to do. And people are still only submitting songs that they think they can win as opposed to the best songs. Did you know that the only two songs from La La Land submitted were City of Stars and Audition? They did not submit Another Day in the Sun or Somewhere in the Crowd, which I'm not being funny. What ones do people go around humming? They don't go around humming Audition. Mm. You know, and the thing is, the Academy is still going to find a way to incorporate those fun songs into the show anyway this year. But... I just sit there and think, you look at context, you're telling me that a song that Sting sings over the credits in a, in a documentary about a war hero in context works for best original song, whereas Drive It Like You Stole It, which is just fucking gangbusters. Not to mention every song from Popstar that was submitted. Yeah, yeah. I mean- she told me to fuck her like I fucked Bin Laden. Uh, like we fucked Bin Laden. That wasn't su- that wasn't uh, submitted. I actually I think soccer. actually I think Humble was the only. I think Humble was actually the only one that was submitted. Oh, uh, not um, Incredible Thoughts. No, that's the one I thought would have been submitted because I thought yeah. they would have got Michael Bolton and Justin Timberlake on the stage. The point is, Pharrell couldn't even get nominated for Hidden Figures, and again, I'm kind of glad because the song didn't work in context. It was just a normal song over the soundtrack. Yeah. But what you've got is two ballads from La La Land that aren't the strongest in the song. The ballad from Moana that isn't as memorable as Your Welcome, which wasn't submitted, and We Know the Way, which was. Mm. Um, a song, f- a Justin Timberlake song that is becoming the bane of all animated films, the dance party ending. Yeah. Which is basically an excuse for them to get a pop song in nominated for an Oscar yeah. without actually having anything to contribute to the narrative. And a song Speaking from a documentary. with a three-year-old, the dance party ending works. I, I yes, but feel it's they, the bane as well, but it works for kids, man. Yes, but I almost feel that those should be ineligible from the Oscars when you're talking about songs being voted for in context. Yeah. Oh, no, Personally, no, I, what they need to, what they need to do is... 
they need to open the best original song category up to the whole academy, not just the music branch. But at the same time, to vote, you still have to go to a, one of the screenings and vote, which means that it's, people will watch the films in context, but it's not a singular member's branch who just vote for their mates. Uh, anyway, so that, I, I, the point is Sing Street was my favourite film of last year, and I thought it was also the best use of music in a film all year. And I think the fact that that didn't get nominated and uh, La La Land got two for its ballads really annoyed me. Um, yeah, Hello, High Water, Manchester by the Sea are borderline perfect films. And Hacksaw Ridge was just viscerally great cinema. You know, I remember just being absolutely pumped um, coming out of that film thinking I, I should not enjoy war as much. I felt guilty that I was enjoying people getting blown to shit. <laughs> but Mel Gibson shoots things in such a way. Um, I think best actress is Emma Stones. God bless those three critics on the Gurus of Gold that seem to think Isabel Huppert is going to win. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be... It, I- it's it'd be lovely if she did because but it would be she deserves it of course she deserves it her and Natalie Portman deserve it more than anyone else Isabel Huppert deserves it for everything she ever fucking does because she's but my I sometimes wonder these people that are paid a fortune to predict the Oscars and write for Oscar blogs I sometimes wonder what goes through your mind it's almost like they don't know how the Oscars work of course Emma fucking Stone's winning it she's a young unfuckable girl and a best picture winner yeah it's a slam dunk and she's won the sack she's won the Golden Globe she's won the BAFTA yeah, it, 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 it's it's it, it, it's a very easy one to, to go for, really, isn't it? It's an easy win for him. I still see people predicting Barry Jenkins to win Best Director. It's like, what awards race are you race race are you following? It's Giselle. Uh, yeah, and any it's like uh, Best Supporting Actor is is ripe for an upset because I think Mahershala Ali is going to be hurt by the fact that he's only in the first thirty minutes of that film. Actually, yeah, let's stop there for a sec. I was fucking stunned after watching Moonlight, that he was getting quite as much heat as he got. He's very good when he's in it, but he doesn't even get the big moment. My argument for him winning, and I think I'd probably vote for him out of that category. I think if Ben Foster was nominated over Jeff Bridges, I'd probably vote for him. But then again, my problem with Jeff Bridges in that film would extend to Ben Foster if he was not in that category. They're both leads in that film. All three of those men are leads in Hell or High Water. Yeah. Um, but but it, you look it, at, could that extend that to Dev Patel? I haven't seen Line yet, but um, it does but, seem like but, he's he is the focus behind that film, yet he's not in the spot. I'd give it to Patel over Ali. I'll, I'll say that. My thing, the thing about Dev Patel is technically it's best leading character, but his performance is only in at max half the film, if not less. Yeah, no, it's about 50 minutes in that... Of, an, of a two-hour film. Uh, and I sit there and think, Mahershala Ali, though, does... I mean, I would probably be tempted to vote for him because I think it's what a great supporting performance does. It leaves you wanting more. And when I come out of the film, I think of him more than anything else in that film. There you go. You know, I, he makes it's an a good impact. argument. Yeah, all right. You know, and I think that the category has long lost what supporting truly means. Yeah. I don't like Naomi Harris in that film. And I... But, you know, but it is a supporting performance. I was upset, obviously, from a personal standpoint that Hugh Grant wasn't nominated for Florence Foster Jenkins, but at the same time, Hugh Grant was the lead in that film. Um, I, I suppose we should just say that Brad worked on Florence Foster Jenkins in case anyone's wondering why he has a personal attachment to Hugh Grant. Yeah, it, it was the... Um, if anything, that's the only film I've worked on where I've really been involved right from the beginning, right through to the end. I want to shut a taxi with Hugh Grant. <laughs> 
<laughs> the thing is, Hugh is brilliant in that film. He he gives a better performance than Meryl. Have, have you guys seen Florence? No, I, I, no, I want to watch it before next week. Um, you should watch it. It's a really, really good film. I'm not just saying that because I worked on it. You know, you know, I, if I didn't like a film I worked on, I'd tell you. But it was uh, Meryl plays one a couple of notes throughout, bad notes intentionally. Uh, whereas Hugh does the heavy lifting. It's his character that goes through a growth. Simon Helberg is a supporting performance in that film. And Simon Helberg, as far as I'm concerned, deserved consideration. I was glad when he got a Golden Globe nomination, when it's, especially when it's not split into musical and comedy at the Globes, supporting yeah. categories. So I was pissed off that he didn't get a nomination, but at the same time, I can't argue it because I'm a big advocate for them getting rid of category fraud. I was surprised Kevin Costner didn't get nominated, but if it means that Lucas Hedges got in, then it's all for it. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think, I think yes, there could be an upset, and if that upset's going to come from anyone, I think it's going to be Dev Patel. BAFTA, every year, as much as I don't even want to get into my fucking anger with BAFTA, but... <laughs> BAFTA every year throws one or two surprises over there that stick to the Oscars. Yeah. You know, because it shows what's going on during voting. And I think Dev Patel gave a lovely speech. Lion is a film that Weinstein is pushing hard. It's probably the only category he stands a chance at winning, apart from maybe cinematography. So if I was betting now, I would probably actually bet for Dev Patel over Mahershala Ali. It is between Mahershala Ali and Dev Patel for that one, certainly. I think supporting actress is unfairly going to Viola Davis because that is a lead performance. And it makes me respect Viola Davis a lot less because it was her decision to put herself in that category. Yeah, she's a category fraud herself, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah, Paramount gave her the choice. And I actually think if she was in lead, she would be beating Emma Stone. Yeah, she probably would. Because it's a... It's a fantastic performance. It is. It's a big emotional performance, and it's also coming from now four-time or three-time Oscar nominee Violet Davis, who was perceived to have been snubbed the last time she was nominated by Meryl Streep winning. You know, and she's a fantastic actress. Exactly. I think she could have. I thought she would have taken Emma Stone in the cakewalk. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just going <clears> to. <throat> sorry, I'm just going to pop to the toilet really quickly. You guys continue. I just burst in for a pee. All right. So that, that's interesting. So she particularly goes to, to be nominated in the best supporting rather than the, the yeah yeah, which is a strange way to go. Yeah, because she she will win it, and it is in terms and of after Alicia, Vikander, after Alicia Vikander winning last year for a lead performance in the Danish Girl in Best Supporting Category, where she was nominated yeah. against Rooney Mara's lead performance in Carol. Um, when Alicia Vikander, if she'd been nominated for Ex Machina, she would have, or Ex Machina, she would have totally deserved to win. And she should have been nominated lead actress for Testament of Youth, which didn't make a blip, even though it's one of the best leading female performances I've seen in the past five years. So I think Alicia Vikander somehow just got fucked <laughs> last year. She still somehow won an Oscar. Um, I really fucking hate category fraud. Well, it is, yeah. It is an, an irritant for sure in the fact that, like you say there, you've got, it very much is a lead performance um, yeah. and, and she's going to win. There's, there's no doubt about yeah. that. And I think, who else is nominated this year? Nicole Kidman, Naomi uh, Harris, Octavia Spencer and Michelle, Michelle Williams. Williams. Michelle Williams, again, it's a memorable fucking scene she has at the end, but it's not, you know, it's it's, it's boring on Judy Dench and Shakespeare in Love. It is, yeah. It, it, it's, you get the feeling that that's somebody other than Michelle Williams. It maybe doesn't get... And I actually think if Viola Davis wasn't there, it would be Michelle Williams that would be taking the Oscar as well. Probably, yeah. Because it's her, what, her fifth nomination or her fourth? But you know what I mean. It's uh, big. And it is a lovely performance. It's just very small. I think Nicole Kidman was great. I think Janelle Monáe should have been nominated instead of Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures. 
Yeah, I can, I can see with that. I think yeah. Octavia Spencer just played Octavia Spencer again. She does it She's, very well. But she does it very well. To me, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. To me, that was just yeah. a perfect example of the Academy voting for the black person they know as opposed to the black person they don't know. Yeah. As horrible as that sounds. No, but, it, but you're, you're absolutely spot on. It, 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 it's, 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 she's very, very good in it. But she's she's playing Octavia Spencer's the way that she... She'll do another performance like that in a couple of years' time and something else. And she'll yeah, be very so good I, So I think... Yeah, so Supporting Actress annoys me. Uh, supporting actor we've been over best actor I mean let's face it it's probably going to be Casey Affleck or Denzel Washington I think it'll be Affleck I think so as well but at the same time SAG proof what happens when the industry votes for for acting and Denzel Washington wasn't nominated at BAFTA and Casey Affleck gives a very subtle cerebral performance in a film that critics love Mm. Denzel Washington gives a big actor's actorly performance in a it's film a, that actors love. It's a very big performance. Is his performance. And actors it, are the biggest voting block of the Academy. Yeah. It, and it's and it's a, an answer to an Oscar so white year. My feeling, though, is when it says come predicting a vote split, I, I believe that if ever... Remember the last great vote split in Best Actor was probably Adrian Brody winning when everyone thought it was going to be Jack Nicholson or Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah. And all of a sudden Adrian Brody won. If ever there was a chance for Ryan Gosling to pop through, it's in a vote split between Casey Affleck and Denzel Washington in a film that everyone just likes. Yeah. Because I've long been predicting that uh, La La Land could be the first film since Silence of the Lambs to win the Big Five, as much as it would annoy me. There's a possibility, yeah, it it could do. Gosling wouldn't be... He he wouldn't be that much of a surprise to win it. I thought he was better in it than Emma Stone. I, I, I agree a, with you there. I, I, I do think he's better in it than Emma Stone. He gave, a better, he gave a much more charming performance, uh, uh, sorry, speech at the Golden Globes than she did. He's been nominated a couple of times before, or at least once before, sorry, half Nelson. Yeah, half Nelson. I just sit there and think, who wouldn't want to see Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone with their matching Oscars? There is that, yeah. I, I do think, so I, I, think, I think Affleck's the, the shoe in for that, though. My money's on Affleck, but I wouldn't be surprised if Washington or Gosling won that. Screenplay, as we said, we've been over in both. It's not, it's it's not as locked in, I don't think, the Affleck one as, as let's say, uh, last year's. No, no, and best done of the screenplays, editing. Oh, editing's an interesting one. Is is he taking a massive shit? He wouldn't surprise me. No, I'm here. (laughs) Oh, you're there. When did you come back? Uh, A couple minutes back. I was just listening to you two. Okay. So okay. editing, Hacksaw um, Ridge, could that take it? Is that the favourite at the moment? Well, it was considered a surprise to win the BAFTA. And again, there's always a surprise at BAFTA that carries over. Maybe it's that and not supporting actor. But I feel that La La Land might not have that one locked up. And my feeling is, I bear in mind I have a personal bias here because I'm very, very good friends with the editor of Arrival. Mm-hmm. But I think that the people that love Arrival are going to want to channel their support for it somewhere. Mm. And I feel like it's very, and it's a very well edited, structured film. It depends whether they go for best editing or most editing. If they go for most editing, it's (laughs) Hacksaw Ridge. You know, if they go for best editing, then it's probably Arrival. I'd love to see Joe win an Oscar. Bear in mind, he was nominated for 12 Years a Slave as well. It's not like he's a newbie. Yeah, the the editing does help with the story in Arrival as well. it, It helps tell a story. Again, the money's on La La Land. I think it's it's weird for me to predict best picture and best editing splitting when they're when when in that kind of thing. But uh, I think I'd love to see Arrival win. The sound categories I think are probably going to Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Uh, 
Score. Score. La yeah. La Land. La La Land will win that. Yeah. Even though I think Jack, even though I think Jackie is the best score there, um, I'm so glad that got nominated. Production design is probably going to La La Land because of that 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 big scene in the last ten minutes. If nothing else. Even though it's a crime that The Handmaiden is not nominated for Best Costume Design or Best Production Design or Best Picture or Best Director or Best Screenplay or Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress or Best Supporting Actor. But, oh man, if Martin Scorsese made The Handmaiden in English but it was shot for shot exactly the same fucking film, it would be winning everything. Just putting out there. It's, It's a stone cold masterpiece. I I don't know. Well, I mean, no. I mean, I really liked it, but I I I don't know, man. That film Ian, did you goes watch to it? some did, places. Yeah, I know. Ian, did you watch that film at home on on a, on, a, on a downloaded copy with just one set of subtitles? Yes. See, watching that film on a big screen where the subtitles are delineated yellow for Japanese and white for Korean makes all the fucking difference. Right. I kind of feel sorry for people. You know, there's there's a lot that gets lost in translation when you don't know who's speaking what language at certain points. I'd, as weird as I'd, that sounds. Well, I know. I, I don't know, man. I mean, it was in my top fifteen of last year. I yeah. No, I think I think. You know. No, 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 no. But I think it would be higher in a lot of people's lists. And also, it's such a just such a beautiful film. Again, like, oh, best film of the London Film Festival for me by far. Anyway. I do think that that's a film that got shafted. But anyway, production design, I guess, is going to La La Land. Costume design. Again, I have a dog in the fight. I would really like Consolata to win for Florence Foster Jenkins. But it's probably going to go to... Actually, I don't know. It could go to her. It's very it much... Could go, the, it the could go that. That's, it is, yeah. When you look at that, was, it's more of an open... It's an open category, I'd say. And she was nominated for The Queen, you know, and she came close to a nomination for Iron Lady, and she's just wonderful. It could be Jackie, which won the BAFTA. It could be La La Land, but contemporary films are not to win there. Best song is probably going to City of Stars, I'd imagine, even though Audition is slightly more contextually relevant. City of Stars is the memorable one. Yeah. Uh, I think we're there, aren't we? Cinematography. Oh, cinematography. Lion or La La Land. Lion won the ASC. I think it also won something else. It didn't win the BAFTA. La La Land won the BAFTA. I think it's going between those two. Yes. Again, you could have a spoiler there, like that year that everyone thought Roger Deakins was going to win for Jesse James, and it ended up going to There Will Be Blood. Or everyone thought that Children of Men had cinematography locked down, and it went to Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, that could be. It could. So your surprise one there would be Bradford Young for Arrival. I'd yeah, say. exactly, exactly. And he's been doing a lot of press. Anyway, and he's, he, he's, he's very much the up-and-comer in terms of. Yeah. He's one of the sort of cinematographers to watch. I'd and say. he's also yeah, he's, he's, he's going to win. And he's currently, well, he's currently obviously shooting um, Han Solo, Han, Han Solo oh, which is shit. obviously filming five yards from my office. Nice. Um, which is fun. Very nice. It's quite it's quite a weird one to say. Uh, obviously, my NDAs stop me from telling you anything <laughs> about that one. Because I had to sign NDAs for both films, because obviously Colin Trevorrow, who is doing episode nine, is still involved with Ancient Futures, which I'm doing, which, you know, so I have to end up going between offices. So a lot of NDAs. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified of what would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, you should be on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not um, even going to fucking, I, 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 I'm not even going to talk about what your, your starting work on tomorrow. No, no, no. I've been on for a few weeks now, but um, but uh, 
But um, Bradford Young, yeah. Who's shooting that one? Anyway, I should probably go. Okay. Is there anything else we want to talk about? No, no, no. You're good, man. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for the time. Yes, thank you very much for joining us, there, Brad. No worries. I'll speak to you guys later. Cheers, speak to you later, Alan. Bye. 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 Gonna, yeah, he's chatting to his mum, I think. Right, anyway, um, you're still there, Mark? I am still here, yes. So, um, have you got any other what else you watched this week? I've got a couple. I've, I've, got, I've got a couple, yeah. Okay, do you want to do you want to get into them? I, th- I think I've probably got like another 10, 15 minutes. Cool, yeah. Um, I, um, I, I admitted to... to, to Oh, that can't be fucking right. Um, I admit, especially the day that I've never seen uh, or could remember. No, it's a different Danny McBride that wrote uh, this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I'd never actually seen the Underworld movies. Um, that I'd, We'd started to watch the first one uh, a number of years ago, and then I'd forced myself to fall asleep during it. Um, so... <laughs> I agreed that we because she said they're quite good they're just throwaway fun so I agreed to give them another go and then once it started I had this the first one started I thought hang on a minute wait a minute there's a reason why I don't like this movie and then it came up on the screen and it said Len Wiseman which actually made me made my eyes go smaller and looked at looked at my TV and went Len <laughs> and, and which Becky just looks good. Becky just sort of shook her head, as is my known hatred for Len Wiseman. And the manners, they then started looking. He's not even directed. Oh, I'm going to look at his Wikipedia page. He's a horrible man to look at. Um, he's not actually directed that much, and they're all shit. Mm. You know, Underworld, Underworld Evolution, Live Free, Die Hard, and Total Recall. Fucking hell. Is that um, actually all he's done? That's how he's directed, yeah. Bloody but he was yeah. the property assistant on some movies. Nice. Seriously, that's what his Wikipedia page states, um, <laughs> that he was the property assistant on Stargate and Independence Day. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, but he also had an uncredited um, property assistant on Men in Black as well. Nice. Fucking hell, what a cunt. Um, so, yeah, so I watched Underworld, and it, it's, 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 it's not aged well. Um, it's a... It, it's... I'm looking forward to the other ones because it seems like there's interesting fluff there um, and throwaway nonsense that you can kind of watch and have it waft over you. Um, but yeah, Underworld's a bad movie, is all I'm going to say. It's not very good at all. Um, even Michael Sheen can't save that fucking movie, which is saying something because usually he can save uh, most things. Um, which actually, moving sort of strangely on, not a film. Um, but I, I did watch the uh, Michael Bolton um, Valentine's Day thing. Yeah, how was that? Fucking really weird. <laughs> like, really, really fucking weird. Um, did, did you watch it or not? No, 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 I haven't seen it yet. No, you did. It, I watched it on Valentine's Day because I thought if I don't watch it on Valentine's Day, can I ever justify watching it another day? Um, when it works. When bits of it work, it works really, really well, and it's really quite funny. Um, when it doesn't work, it is really, really unfucking funny and really, really bad. The uh, Eric Andre bit that he's got in it um, doesn't work at all. 
at all to the point of where he actually says in the thing, yeah, this isn't fucking working. And it's like, no, don't do a bad skit and then try and pretend that you're supposed to be doing a bad fucking skit. It, you're just not as funny as people would, as you'd like to think you are. Yeah. Um, the uh, Michael Sheen crops up in it playing a, uh, a dance instructor, um, trying to choreograph a dance scene against a group of punks is really quite amusing. Okay, that sounds all right. Yeah. Uh, he's actually quite funny. Um, it's only like an hour long. It's under an hour long. Um, and there's, there's enough funny bits in it to make it worthwhile watching, but yeah, Michael Bolton's quite amusing. Uh, 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 he, he pokes fun at himself quite a lot without ever actually kind of poking too much fun at himself. Um, and um, what's his name? Andy, Andy Sandberg as Kenny G is quite amusing. It, it, it's a Lonely Island thing, is it? Yeah, it's a Lonely Island thing, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I watched that. That was quite good. Um, um, like I said, watched Hidden Figures today um, and. Thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It's good. I can absolutely see all of your points uh, in, in what you're saying about it. In the fact that it's there's a more significant story in the film than the film is. Is what I would yeah, say. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, in that, um, everyone's good, very good in it, um, and I enjoyed my time with it. Is there a better, more biting movie that could be made by this? Pretty much with the same cast, to be honest. Yeah, I think they probably could be. Yeah. But they've gone for a certain type of movie. They've tried to appeal to everybody. Um, and it's worked. This movie will, you know, it'll play very well uh, in a few years' time on ATV2. Yeah. It TV premiere, or the BBC. It'll be on BBC and it'll be a, a great... Sunday night movie that'll get shown on whatever movies, whatever channel BBC movies get shown on nowadays. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Fences um, is the most actory actor movie I've seen in a long time, in the sense yes. that it's it's directed by an actor, uh, it's starring actors, very actory people. Denzel is chewing scenery up like a motherfucker uh, in that movie, and Viola Davis is literally just fucking... Is, grabbing all the bits of scenery that are fucking flying out of Denzel's mouth, putting him in a pot, making a massive gumbo, and then she's chewing that up and spitting it back at him. And it's it, it's great for it. I think the opening is incredibly strong. The opening scene where it's it feels like it's a one shot, which is very theatery, and it absolutely is incredibly theatery. But it's, it's a movie that hangs on its actors. And it yeah. works because um, Viola Davis is staggeringly good in it um, and Denzel Washington is very good in it I also think that um, Stephen Henderson um, is as um, Mr. Bono is, is very very good in it as, as well I love I think. that guy yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's he brings almost a relief um, to, to Troy's um, character in the sense that He's there, and he's there because he's ridden the crest of Troy's personality, and you know he accepts the fact that Troy's got him this job and has has got him back on the straight and narrow. But he's also the guy that drags Troy to a side and goes, "No, you, you you're not doing right here. You're being a prick." I mean, which yeah. causes him to which causes him to go, you know. Th- th- I think 
the, the bit where that movie turns is the scene where he pulls him over and he says, he's already been a prick, is, is, is Troy. But he pulls him away from the house and he says, you're not doing right. You're not doing right by, by Rose. And I love you and you're my friend. And this is why I'm telling you, stop it. Yeah. And it's almost at that moment where Denzel, you think that he's going to go and he's going to say to Rose, look, I fucked up, I did this. But he doesn't. He 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 goes full circle. In he has two paths he can go down. He can either go the right route, or he can continue, or he can go down the I'm a prick, I'm an arsehole, and I'm happy with my being a prick and an arsehole. And he goes down that road and has the audacity to basically he proves how much of a selfish person he is. Yeah, in the fact that he goes down the road of saying I'm I'm happier there than I am with you, but you're a good wife, so I'm just there with you. But I'm not giving that up. I also think McKee Williamson is very good in that. Yo, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, it's, um, I. What I like about that film is, I mean, yes, the the, the performances and whatnot. But I, I, and, I mean, obviously this is part of the play as well. But there, there's little things peppered in there as well. Like he, um, and you, you kind of expect it to go down certain avenues, and it doesn't. Like the, um, the, the, the conversation when he gets the driver job. And it's just like, well, you know, do they know you haven't got a license? He's like, well, you just point it in that direction and there you go. So there I'm thinking that it's going to be, he's going to lose his job over, you know, over that. And it's, it's going to go down, down that way. Um, And, you know, the the, uh, Linus character, the the way that his, like Washington is chewing him out in that first bit where he's asking to borrow the $10. But, then afterwards, he never asked for the money again. Instead, he's just constantly paying him back. And it feels like he's been defeated through that. You know, it's yeah. like he enjoys chewing him out. He enjoys every Friday giving him shit. Yeah, I, I think also, I like the way that the the whole, it's dropped in halfway through. Because you kind of, you get the feeling that he was this shit up. Uh, baseball player in like high school and college or whatever or what is it but it, it, it gets dropped out and Val Davis basically says to him you didn't get you didn't get shunned by the major leagues because you weren't because you were black you got shunned because you were a you were an ex-criminal in their 40s that's why yeah, you never yeah. became a when, pro when, ball yeah, player when, it, when it's like well, how did you expect to be able to play ball when you got out of jail it's yeah you don't really you don't really see that coming it's uh, I don't it, it it's just stuff like that is so clever, um, and, and it's just it's just that ending. I mean, like the, yeah. the, the speech the speech Viola Davis gives is even fair enough, you know, where she's like, "I accepted him because I, you know, I want like because I wanted him, and he, he like through all the shit, the moments of sunshine that he did bring were like were glorious." And you see that early on in the film as well as yeah. well when he's charming. And happy, it's infectious, mm. and you see He's a that. personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, as it you know, as it goes on, but you can see how this reprehensible person could still have people like him to an extent. But then it just goes so far down that road. And yes, Viola Davis says, like you know, I'll be a mother to this child, but you're a womanless man. Mm. Um, and I mean, his his character. In the in the film dies very quickly after that. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's not in it after that. 
No, really. And it, oh, that, that's it is that scene, isn't it? It's like yeah. he's um, he gets drunk and he's like looking up, and it, it's all like the, the the lens feels like it's got Vaseline on it for a minute, and then and then it cuts and he's dead. That's right. It's I don't know. It just it kind of feels like not having him there for that twenty minutes or so. You just. I, I don't know. I wanted. I I, I kind of wanted an extra scene, and maybe they know that, so they don't give you, a, you know, an extra a, a, an extra scene. Um, it, it's you know the, the confrontation between him and Davis and and him and the, and the son, are, 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 you know, are kind of enough there, I suppose. But it just that ending. I don't think the character deserved that ending. No, I could agree with you on that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, final one we shall talk about for literally about three, four seconds. Uh, Rewatch Hard Rain because uh, I don't have a shit day at work and I love that movie and I was thought that's what's going to cheer me up and I, I love the movie Hard Rain and why the fuck isn't it on iTunes? Good stuff, yes. Because <laughs> even if that had been $13.99 on Monday night, I'd have fucking bought yeah, it. Bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on, what have you been watching this week? Uh, so I've got a... Uh, I've only got a couple. Um... Uh, so I watched Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, oh, yeah. uh, which uh, I actually really enjoyed. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a cracking flick. Um, Garrett Hedlund's never been better. Um, the Ang Lee's visuals are in full force, and it's great. Um, I, I mean, there, there's the halftime sequence is stunning. Absolutely stunning. You've got these guys, like basically be, being trailed around like dog and pony show to kind of advertise the the military, basically, and trying to make America feel good about the uh, about the second Iraq War. Um, and it, it's this whole cognitive dissonance of like a week ago they found themselves fighting. Now they're at this halftime show and Destiny's Child is playing, and there's like. I, I, look, there's fireworks going off, and one of the members of the of his squad is basically having like almost like PTSD and kind of breaking down in the middle of this because all these fireworks are going off, and he's fucking terrified. Um, it, it's just it's really interesting. Um, I mean, it doesn't all work, but what is there, I thought, was more deserving of attention than it had been. Ang Lee, best director nominated nomination for this thing. Yeah, sure, I would have seen that. It would, yeah, uh, yeah fine. So there That's you cool. go. Uh, it, it's it's worth a watch. You'll really like it, I think. I'm okay. Yeah, I, I, I will be giving it a go um, this week. Nice. Um, I watched Loving, uh, which is very good. I'm sure you'll watch it at some point. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it then. Uh, I watched the Autopsy of Jane Doe uh, after your uh, heavy recommendation last week. Really enjoyed it. Um, strong balls out horror um maybe didn't like it quite as much as you but it's, it's definitely well worth a go yeah uh and uh lastly i think the great wall which, <laughs> which was a big old barrier of nothing um went to see this in like dolby atmos on a massive screen yesterday morning and I don't think I've been as nothinged by a film in quite some time. Matt, Matt Damon. Str- sorry, go on. What, 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 what's the angle? Why, why is Matt Damon there? Because he got paid a shitload. No, no. What, what, why? What's oh, why, the... why is his character there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So basically, him and Pedro Pascal, who was in uh, Game of Thrones for about half a season, um, 
they play mercenaries who are after gunpowder, basically, or they call it black powder in 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 this. And mm. um, one night while on the road, Matt Damon chops off uh, a thing's foot. It's like, what the fuck is this? Um, he takes it with him to try and find out what it is, and uh, they come across the Great Wall. Uh, they're taken in uh, because it's revealed that the foot belongs to a creature. These creatures that crash landed on a meteorite or something six thousand years ago, and every sixty years they come to attack the wall for some reason. Mm. Um, and they're they're coming again, but apparently early for some reason. Willem Dafoe's there as well for some reason. Um, and Why not? sorry. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's not very fun in it either. It's a shame. And no, yeah, no. it's Matt Damon, basically becoming part of a fight against these alien dragon things. Mm. It's... The, the reason I think why they called uh, it Black Powder is that was the original name of Gunpowder because it was a powder oh, before it was used in guns. Well, that'll be it then. Um, yeah, it's just it's really boring. Um, is it? Yeah, yeah. That's what I, you're not the first person to say that. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, it cost 150 million dollars. There's like fa- like hundreds, thousands of extras in it. Like from that point of view, like the scale of it is quite impressive. But when you've got all these people just going up against CG, it, it feels less impressive. Um, I've got no idea why Zhang Yimou is doing making this fucking thing. Um, it's yeah, it's really, really not great. It's very, it's a very, very basic story. Um, not really that well told. Yeah, it, it, I, won't, I won't rush to it then. No, man. I mean, it's just it's boring. It's uh, it's not like offensively bad. It's just really there's it's really nothing. It's completely empty calories, but not the fun kind. Yeah, I, I will probably end up watching it on like a Monday night or something like that. Yeah, I, if at all, man. Seriously, it's um, like <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't see how anyone would particularly be proud of the work they did in this film. <laughs> Nobody seems to be actually promoting it, so yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, okay, so I think that's it. We're doing playing it forward next week, aren't we? We are. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, we are. Yeah. I, I, so, I, I, I momentarily forgot about that. So uh, we'll be uh, we'll be joined by uh, Noel for uh, episode two of Playing It Forward. We're doing uh, Tony, uh, me and Earl and the Dying Girl and what, what's the one that you gave Noel? Uh, it is... Oh shit, I forgot what it's called now. Oh god, oh, my mind's gone completely fucking blank. Ah, it has as well. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to check this now. My mind, literally, I cannot remember a thing. And now, because, my, because I can't remember it, my mind's battling against me and saying, you're not remembering this now. It's a really good movie as well. <laughs> the Slaughter Rule. There you go. The Slaughter Rule. Okay, yeah. uh, so uh, that's going to do it. Thank you very oh, much. We do have, well, we do have a Twitter question. Oh, shit, yeah, sorry. Yes, yes, uh, yes, of course we do. Go. The Junior Prince TGP 73. Which BAFTA uh, was incorrectly awarded? Well, I, I think Noel would probably say I, Daniel Blake, given the WhatsApp conversation we were having with him last Yes. Night. 
Um, uh, I have one, but it's not. It, 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 it's more the award itself rather than the actual person it was given to. I have one as well. Go on, what's yours? Adapted screenplay. What, what, um, what, 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 what Lion. What else was in there? Not what? sure about that. Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, Hidden Figures and Nocturnal Animals. I'm sorry, I'd give it to Arrival or Nocturnal Animals any day before Lion, and I liked Lion. Hmm. Mine, mine would go to the BAFTA Rising Star Award. Get fucking rid of it. It's absolute bobbins and bullshit of an award. It's stupid. It's just just stupid. Yep. That award. You know, yep. this year, Tom Holland won it. Nothing against Tom Holland, right? At all. But it, 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 he has been around for a couple of years. And can I just point out, I've had a look through previous winners. Let me tell you 2009's winner. Oh, let me, let me tell you, right? I tell you, Adam Clark. Deacon win it one year. Yep, Noel Clark won it in 2009, right? Do you want me to leave the list of other people he beat out for it? Oh, this is going to be fun. Go on. Oh, Rebecca Hall. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Laugh now, just you wait. Michael Sarah. Yeah. Toby, Toby Kebble. Yeah. And Michael Fassbender. Fucking hell, man. That's funny. Yep. Um, wow. I, I, do you know what? 2006 winner James McAvoy. But listen to the other people. And thoroughly deserve James McAvoy for that. And nothing against McAvoy. But it, the other people nominated were um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Gail Garcia Bernal, Rachel McAdams, and Rich, Michelle Williams. That, which is pretty much fucking hell. That, that was a strong year. Um, yeah, Adam Deacon. Oh, oh, God. Oh, Adam Deacon won it in 2012, beating out Chris Hemsworth. Tom Hiddleston, Chris O'Dowd, and Edmund Raybans. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's amusing looking at some of these. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, dearie me. Yeah, also, uh, Ava Green in 2007 uh, beat out Emily Blunt, uh, Naomi Harris, Killian Murphy, and Ben Wishaw. And again, I have nothing against David Green. She's a very, very beautiful woman who's used it very, very well. Yes. Uh, so yes, but that, that was it. So yeah, man, get rid of the entire fucking award because it's just it, it's it's a little bit Brit awardsy. Yeah, so, I agree with that. Just... It's I I it's like it's the one the public vote for. So everybody get on no. social media and vote no, for whoever's the hottest. Exactly. That's it. Oh, Tom Holland. He's Spider Man. Yeah. And, uh, oh, John Boyega. He was in the Star Wars, wasn't he? Yeah. And again, nothing against Tom Holland and John Boyega, you know, at all. It, it, but it just, it is whoever they've seen most of that week. It's the He's So Hot Right Now award. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it literally is. No fucking clock. Right. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna call it a day because I do have to go. So, yeah, no, uh, Thank you very much for listening, folks. Uh, Thank you uh, to Brad as well. And um, we shall speak to you next week with Noel. Bye-bye. Bye.